0: to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. All right, a little more good news here. Certainly fighting back on the front lines, so to speak. This comes from Campus Reform. It's an article titled, Christian University Absolutely Shreds Claim that Christianity is a Platform for White Supremacy in Scathing Rebuke. Grand Canyon University decried a racial reconciliation workshop on campus that said Christianity is a platform for white supremacy. GCU president Brian Muller told campus reform that this is completely the opposite of what the truth is. This is from Benjamin Zeisloft, if I'm saying that correctly, a senior campus correspondent quote, grand Canyon university stood up against racial reconciliation workshop on campus that portrayed Christianity as a platform for white supremacy. Okay. First of all, Grand Canyon University, while both a in-person campus and mostly an online university, why on earth do they even have a workshop like this? I'm not sure why they would have a racial reconciliation workshop. Um, they must have thought that nothing bad was going to come from it. Well, they've of course learned their lesson here, but either way, fortunately, the uh, president has pushed back in a good way. Okay, it continues. On January 4th, the university released a statement declaring that Christianity is absolutely not a platform for white supremacy or white privilege, stating that the teachings of Jesus Christ are clearly the exact opposite, unquote. The university placed two dance department instructors on corrective action on a corrective action plan after their lack of civil discourse and the use of profane and abusive language during a November 12 racial reconciliation workshop. The rampant use of profanities, which is not an example of the civil discourse and respectful dialogue that faculty members are expected to uphold in classroom settings, forms the basis for the instructor's discipline. In accordance with the school's expectations for instructors, faculty must provide a positive example to students, even if they do not agree with every notion within the school's doctrinal statement. The vast majority of families send their young adults to GCU with the expectation that they will be taught from a Christian worldview perspective, and faculty are expected to uphold that expectation, said the statement. GCU recognizes that critical thought, open dialogue, and a fair presentation of all major views are vital to higher education, but are indispensable for genuinely Christian instruction. Additionally, the workshop included many statements that portrayed Christianity as a platform for white privilege and white supremacy. In response, the university outlined the New Testament's teachings on race and ethnicity, providing that Christ alone was capable of living a life of sinless perfection, and he alone is able to guide individuals and communities toward renewal, reconciliation, and restoration. Jesus' embrace and inclusion of non-Jewish men and women comported perfectly with the clear teaching of Genesis that all human beings have been created in the image and likeness of God and therefore worthy of dignity, respect, and value, said the statement. The resolve of Christ to include all races and ethnicities in God's kingdom enables his followers to grasp more clearly the breadth and depth and height of God's love. The university likewise decried the defamatory comments published in a one-sided Arizona Republic article about a faculty member whose contract was not renewed in the aftermath of that profanity-laced workshop. We won't address specific comments the Arizona Republic chose to publish that portray GCU as a bigoted community upholding white supremacy, said the statement. Frankly, those are ridiculous and do not line up with the facts. The story also painted the picture that difficult conversations regarding racial inequality do not occur on campus, which could not be further from the truth. In a phone interview, Grand Canyon University President Brian Muller told Campus Reform that professors who are not Christians representing roughly 10% of the faculty must sign statements promising that they will not speak against the Christian worldview. Muller said that he met with the chairs of the fine arts department who made clear that this was an issue that, in, that evolved in the dance department and was not supported by the institution. And it continues and goes on and goes on and goes on. Okay. So, there you have it. You know, you sign statements when you become an employee of a particular institution saying that you're going to uphold the values and morals of, of said institution, or at the very least, that you're just going to carry yourself as a professional. I mean, th- those forms are standard, par for the course, and go without saying. But this right here highlights an even bigger problem which, again, is something that Thomas Sowell specifically brought up, and I'm going to read here from his very first book on, on the subject of education. Uh, and he, he talks about, again, the, the, the problems of individuals essentially getting out of their lanes or thinking that they know more than they do. I mean, we're talking about dance, instructor, uh, dance instructors at, at what is primarily an online university. Now, again, they have a hard campus, and people attend their hard campus uh, in Colorado as well, and rightfully so. But this highlights an even bigger problem. Why is it that they're learning about quote unquote, uh, white supremacy and how white privilege is a massive problem or uh, even something that actually exists in a dance class, <laughs> It's just it's just laughable in a dance class of all, of all classes. So, I mean, what next? They take a paper airplane class, and uh, they don't use white paper because white paper's racist? I mean, what next? So, here we go. All right. This is Thomas Sowell's Education, Assumptions Versus History, uh, uh, Collected Papers. This was uh, published in 1986, an absolutely fantastic book, tons of small chapters. Again, this should be standard reading in any teacher education department for, for teacher education students. And unfortunately, it's not. Um, but I would I would I would use this book without a doubt. Okay, let's see. P- uh, page 127. It's tit- uh, The chapter is titled, The Intellect of the Intellectuals. All right, here we go. One of the, quote, One of the most disturbing developments of the 1960s was the rise of the anti-intellectualism Among intellectuals, relevant and irrelevant became magic words that superseded logic or facts. Social was another incarnation that put various schemes, innovations above discussion and made objections or questions about them seem petty, mean, or dirty. Socially relevant, quote unquote, was a double whammy. One would as soon stand in the path of an express train as opposed to something that was socially relevant. Whether or not there was any evidence that it did any good or considerable evidence that it did harm or violated basic principles of logic, questions of fact became questions of intent. Even the most devastating facts could be countered by asking where you were coming from. Was this phenomenon a phase like adolescent acne, Or is it a permanent disfiguration, or perhaps even a growing cancer on the intellectual life in general and the academic world in particular? The trends are by no means clear as yet. There are signs that sanity is attempting a comeback, but comebacks by ex-champs do not always end well, and it is too early to tell if the 1960s are decisively over in academe. Indeed, there is a question of whether the decade of the 1960s was As unique as it liked to imagine itself, or whether what happened then was an eruption of trends and forces long associated with intellectuals and therefore likely to continue to be with us for a long time. The very word intellectual is ambiguous. It refers to a certain kind of process revolving around logical deduction, systematic testing of ideas, and a complex weighing of evidence but the word also refers to a flesh and blood people who make such activity their carriers and as people they do not just they are not just the embodiment of those abstract principles intellectuals are also subject to other powerful forces rooted in emotions and reflecting the position of the intellectual class as a special interest group with its own aspirations biases and blind spots These other forces can easily cause the social group called intellectuals, quote-unquote, to violate the set of procedures called intellectual, quote-unquote, principles. Academic intellectuals are especially subject to emotional enthusiasms and especially insulated from the chilling effects of objective reality. It is not merely that professors have never had to meet a payroll, that they have also never had to meet a scoreboard, or any other crucial experiment whose outcome would determine their fate by testing how closely their ideas fit the actual reality. Academics are protected not only by tenure, but also by their own ability to rationalize, complicate, and mystify. They do not like objective processes whose results cannot be talked away. In short... The very people whose work is based on the relationship between ideas and reality are exempted from having to demonstrate such a relationship, while merchants, athletes, policemen, and others looked down upon by academics are regularly forced to demonstrate such a relationship and to pay heavily for discrepancies. For academics, the only test is whether what they say sounds plausible to enough people or to the right people. There are two more sections here within this short chapter. I just I have to read them because it fits perfectly with the story that I with the article that I just read and those dance instructors. Okay, uh, the next subchapter is titled "Insulated Occupations." Quote: Tenure, academic freedom, and other insulations are intended to free the intellectual process from political and quasi political pressures, but they end up freeing the intellectual from a need to respect the intellectual process or to re reorgan- or, or to recognize any objective reality beyond his fallacies or the fashions of his fellow academians worse like other insulated occupations the civil service for example academic life attracts more than its share of those fearful of personal risk and ready to exchange individual responsibility for an, insur- for an assured future for such academics there is even a safe a safety valve Of being able to aim defiant rhetoric at the establishment, quote unquote, provided it is the kind of defiant rhetoric approved by their peers and in tune with changing fashions. Unquote. Last section Sanctimonious pomposity. Finally, in spite of all the sanctimonious pomposity that is as much a hallmark of academic life as the cap and gown, academics are a special interest group. Their special interest is to get their production costs paid for by other people, notably the taxpayers, and to give their product a good image so that it will will sell. Whether their product actually helps the consumer afterwards is secondary at best. We understand these simple facts of life when it comes to soup manufacturers, used car dealers, and circus barkers. But when the president of the university goes on television to claim that his product will cure a range of illness or ills previously covered only by snake oil, he is regarded as a statesman-like lover of mankind, and his message is considered a public service announcement rather than advertising. The academic world is one of the most effective special interest groups precisely because it does not think for itself in those terms. Its words have the ring of sincerity when it turns every form of social malaise into a reason why its members should receive more money and power. Racial strife becomes a reason for academics to conduct a thousand social experiments leading to a million articles, reports, Ph.D. theses, etc., costing billions of tax dollars. Poverty in general is a gold mine for intellectuals. Crime and violence provide another ready market for expertise, quote-unquote, the quotes because nothing has actually worked. Academe has even mass-produced and mass-marketed its own parochial viewpoint, which looks for, quote-unquote, solutions to social, quote-unquote, problems, like the answers in the back of a textbook. Have notebook, will travel. Academics will research anything, except the effectiveness of their own schemes growing out of previous research. Unquote. So again, the actions of those dance instructors is par for the course. Instead of teaching dance, they decide to get political. Again, stay in your lane. It's about staying in lanes. It's not that a person can't get out of their lane per se, but when a person goes to a dance class, they're not there to hear about white supremacy and how white privilege is a thing, let alone a problem. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Don't forget to check out AmericanEducationFM.com, where you can make a small donation or even email us and be a guest on the podcast. Until next time, never stop learning, never stop reading, and never stop unlearning.